You're listening to the Canes Country Podcast with Brett Finger and Justin Lape. The Carolina Hurricanes have won four of their first six games of the season. It's kind of weird. It's kind of unexpected. We'll see how it goes. My name is Brett Finger, joined by Justin Lape as always, and the special, special guest, Ryan LeBlanc, the Howdy. one and only brother of Kevin LeBanc out of San Jose, who I is really still hate you. Really making you your family all. name uh, really worthwhile. He is You know, he's been in the NHL now for three this is his third year, I think, right? Yeah, I still right. cannot so. I still cannot see his name on Twitter and not think it's a reference to my brother. Like I that's mean, gonna be it's it's gonna be the death of yeah. He's going to be one of these Yager types that has a 25-year career, and I'm going to be 50 <laughs> years old looking at Twitter one day and like, damn it, there's my brother again on Twitter scoring goals for the Sharks. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's quite literally the exact same name as your brother. Just take it away is. the L in LeBlanc. If, I feel like that would throw me off so much. I, I could never get used it's to the it. The worst. The worst. <laughs> Kevin Kevin LeBanc go back to the AHL where you belong. Ooh, actually, he's a wow. pretty, pretty, de- pretty decent, yeah, decent he's, player. He's See, a pretty and, and, solid guy. <laughs> no, he is. My 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 luck would be that I just happen to follow like the whoever the San Jose Barracudas beat writer is on Twitter, and I'd never get away from it. <laughs> the Barracudas have a good team this year. They do, but you know what? What Bar- Barracuda is both singular and plural. It's like saying deers or mooses. The Barracudas. Barracudai. <laughs> no. All right. So, not all right. All right. Canes, right? So the, the hurricanes know. are the hurricanes are four one and one to start the year. They were four oh and one. They were oh oh and one at one point, and then they won four in a row. Just they just did it. They just won four in a row. And I, I Is mean Is that good? That seems they're good. they're first in the Metropolitan Division. Um for the first time, I think, ever. Uh, don't fact check me on that, but it's a pretty good start. Um, Ryan, mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's happening? What the hell is uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you take your pick, but uh, the first thing that I'll do is fall on my sword uh, that was saying that Sebastian Ajo should not be moved to center in the offseason because I was of the opinion uh, that they shouldn't mess with what was working, and Aho, after they traded Jeff Skinner, was the one scoring option they really had on the wing. And why would you mess with that into a position he's never played before? And that's why Rod Brindamore gets paid millions of dollars to coach an NHL team. And I get to sit here and spew hot air into the ether on a podcast. Well, to be fair, I mean, you said that before they got Jordan Martinook. So I did. you that, didn't that know that true. that goal scorer was going to be added. That's right. Jordan, that Jordan Martin. Jordan Mark and a Rocket Richard candidate, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Ajo has been every bit as good as anybody could possibly hope he would have been at center. And, and not just the goal scoring. I mean, the very first game of the season, he saved a goal by knocking the puck off the goal line that had gotten behind Peter Morassi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to see how well he's taken playing center. And, you know, thank goodness for it because – they still the Hurricanes still need a center, but now it may not be quite as pressing with Aho being there. I mean, it would be anyone they pick up would be an addition to him rather than replacing, you know, filling another hole in the lineup. And that leaves them a lot more flexibility and also takes a lot of the time crunch off of needing to get uh, of needing to get a center at some point in the future. They still need to, but it may not be quite as high a priority as it would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think I think the thing that surprised me the most about Aho moving to center, it, if it's not the offense, of course. I mean, he has 11 points in six games. It's not going to last all year, of course. And unless it does, it or maybe it will. I was about to say we, there's no, there's nothing <laughs> Under, underestimates the slow down. Off with your peril. Yeah, that that's always a bad decision, always. Um, but I think the most impressive part about him moving to center it. It was never really about the faceoffs. It wasn't about the offense. It was about if he could handle the responsibilities of being a center in the NHL. Like, can he 
take care of his own end first? Can he be hard on pucks in the middle of the ice? Can he drive play in the middle of the ice? And there were some doubt. I had some doubts too. I, I, I always knew that he could make that transition because he's just that good. Like, I think that he could play defense if, yeah, he's, he's the, the latter day Sergey yeah. Fedorov where he takes yeah. a few random spins yeah. on defense, right? Like, he and I, I tweeted uh, when he saved that goal on opening night, I said the future of the franchise and goal could be Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> um, so, he's an ex- insanely talented hockey player, and how fast he's been able to get a hold of being a center is, is really amazing. I mean, we're six games into the year and the, the progress that he's made from game one to game six has been pretty remarkable. And uh, what I think is also yeah. worth noting is that I don't think this would have happened under Bill Peters. No. I think the fact that he's got, and that's not a knock on Peters so much as it is. Um, Rod Brindamore was one of the best centers of his era and mm-hmm. To have him specifically behind the bench, kind of as Ajo's mentor. I mean, Brendamore never had that kind of scoring touch, but what better guy to teach a 200-foot game mm-hmm. to a budding center than Rod Brendamore? So, yeah. you know, from that perspective, it's, you know, there's, there's a, good, a good bit of good fortune, I think, at play here. Timing-wise, it worked out well, but, I mean, like I said, you just can't, you couldn't have asked for any more from from Sebastian Ajo that you've gotten over the first six games. Absolutely. And I mean, just you have a player that's so talented like Sebastian Ajo is. And even before this year, he was a budding star in this league. Um, And you, you take that raw talent and then you combine it with a guy who was arguably the best or one of the best two way centers in his era. So you're you're adding the the expertise and and everything that Robert Nemore has and all his experience and you're putting it with a player who has more talent than he did. So I, it's it's just it's a like you said it's perfect timing and Aho has taken the role and he has just been getting better and better day in day out and I mean I, I don't know how you could watch the Minnesota game and uh, not be just blown away by Sebastian Ajo because he took control of that game and he did what he did. So he's off to a phenomenal start. Justin, uh, Sebastian Ajo, center, uh, good or not good? Good. And I think his line mate or his newer line mate, uh, Michael Furland, has been better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, I kind of made a joke about uh, who would have thought that the – the winning piece of the Dougie Hamilton trade was going to be Michael Furland. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed of what he's brought so far. Um, I, I think that, you know, he was kind of hyped up as this piece that was going to bring an edge and, you know, kind of not necessarily a goon, but, you know, a little bit of a grinder and almost like a, a more powerful Chad LaRose, but he's got a really good uh, touch around the net and, you know, he gets a goal against Winnipeg. He's, you know, got points in a lot of games, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that line is, is clicking really well, um, especially Sebastian Ajo. I, I think there was a, a move against Winnipeg where he he tried to replicate the same move he made in Minnesota where he skates from one circle, skates along the blue line, and then goes to the other circle in this big sweeping motion. He did, the, uh, he did that move when Pesci scored in the Minnesota game. He tries it in Winnipeg. It didn't work, but I think that might be a signature move. Hey, now. hey, Justin, 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 wait, wait, wait. Something, uh, something borked on my end uh, before you said big sweeping motion. So start from there and just go back to where you were. Okay. Um, so. And by the way, my um, my headphone batteries are running low. So uh, the sooner we finish, the better. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know we I know we just started, but um, okay. I may not right. have much juice left. All right, um, three, two, one. Yeah, Sebastian Aho tried this move. Sebastian Aho tried this move where he he kind of goes from one circle, skates along the blue line, and then goes to the other circle. Uh, he 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 did it in Minnesota, uh, and Pesci ends up finishing on that. But he tries it in Winnipeg. 
So I think I think that's kind of a signature move now. But no, I'm I'm really impressed by by where the team stands through these first few games. Um, it's it's not so much like the Islanders game or Blue Jackets or Vancouver or even the Winnipeg game. I think the two games that kind of stand out the most to me are New York and Minnesota, where they kept swapping goals and they kept you know they were down and then coming back up and then. You know, finally they hold a lead against New York, but in Minnesota, I, I think was kind of like the pinnacle of of what this team has achieved so far. Uh, meaning, I'm not sure that it's all Peterson, going downhill from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure a Bill Peters coach team, or I, I don't know, maybe a team with different personnel, the same personnel as last year, would have would have fought back against Minnesota like they did. Um, I don't know if that's just something like players like Warren Fogle, you know, Svechnikov and Natchez, you know, trying to prove their worth. And, you know, some of the younger guys like Walmart trying to prove that, hey, I want to stay here. But like it's it's just something is different. And and I guess it's just a matter of pinpointing that. Or is it just dumb luck early on? Uh, I guess we'll see kind of as as they go down the stretch. But I think the big concern was goaltending and save for a few games. I mean, goaltending hasn't been atrocious. Um, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great, but it's been it's been good enough. If it's you would have told me, and, they, and all they've needed, all they've needed the last five years has been good enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, exactly. I'll gladly, ta- I'll gladly take good enough. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, you're 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 getting the the McElhaney game in Minnesota was bad, and the Morazic game in where where was that game? They. Uh, against New York, the Rangers. The Rangers um, game, yeah. That wasn't very good. Um, but McElhaney put in a phenomenal effort in Columbus and were was a huge, huge reason why they won that game. And then Morazic goes to Winnipeg and almost steals them a game too. Uh, I think Brassois really stole the game for Winnipeg because I think Carolina outplayed him. But Morazic made a couple of just ridiculous saves and he needed a big game like that. He really did. Yeah, and I, I, save for you know a late goal by Brian Little, that that could be another win in in the column. But if you're telling me that they were going to be they're going to be four one and one through six games without a, a quote unquote new and improved Scott Darling, I wouldn't have have placed a bet on that. But I mean, yeah, it's it's positive results for a team that's that's working hard. So, but yeah, I think when. when... When Curtis McElhaney was claimed off of waivers, I think it created this interesting narrative um, that Pierre Lebrun kind of added to a few days ago. Um, you have three goalies on the roster. Darling looks like he's getting very close to getting back. Um, there was an idea from Lebrun who he said that the Hurricanes are thinking about carrying three goalies for a while. I mean, they can afford to do that. Um, I guess we'll see if that happens or if how ideal that's going to be, but. If, no, I think I think that makes a lot of sense to carry three goalies it, because yeah. you're probably going to lose McElhaney on waivers if you send him down. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, Toronto's just going to claim him again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no reason for them not to. Um, you know, the only guy, ironically enough, that might make it through waivers is Darling yep. uh, because of the salary. I think Mrazic would probably get snapped up by someone. And yeah. McElhaney would, if no one else would get him, Toronto would just take him and send him right back to the Marlies. Yeah. So I could, I mean, if if the alternative is, you know, Sending DJ Seppi or put you know you'd have to put him on waivers. I don't think he'd be playing. Maybe he would be. I don't know. No. Um, but you know him or Zekoff on waivers or Flurry. Um, you know better to carry three goalies than you know save yourself the issue because what happens if in January one of them you know goes in the toilet and you were kicking yourself because you lost Curtis McElhaney on waivers back at Halloween? So or one of them gets hurt again. Or one of them gets hurt again. Exactly. So, you know, they're not really losing anything by sending one of the guys that's in the press box to Charlotte. Make make him the roster sacrifice. Um, uh, yeah. You know, there's there's no reason to there's no reason to intentionally hamstring yourself just to you know we have do we have to have two goalies because that's how that's how mm-hmm. things work and we you can't carry <laughs> three goalies in the National Hockey League. I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, do what's best for your team. And right now, I think carrying three goalies is the best thing for the Hurricanes. And and quite honestly, um, I would gladly put Phil DiGiuseppe on waivers and risk him getting picked up. Yeah, I would too. I don't – I am just – I honestly, I was 
somewhat surprised that they gave him a one-way deal over the offseason. I mean, and, and he has been just a non-factor in, in the games that he's played. He has been – I think there's a conversation to be had about how the usage of Martin Natchez is currently going. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, for me, what it comes down to is – you have three or four lines that are going really well right now. The stall line with Williams and Fogel have been dominant. They they have like 120% Corsi every game <laughs> possible, but that's what it feels like. Um, Ajo, Terravine, and Furlan. I mean, I don't even need to talk about how good they've been so far, especially Ajo and Furlan. That, that match is just unbelievably perfect. Um and then, surprisingly, Svechnikov, Walmart, and Martinuk through six games has been really solid. Martinuk's been a great addition, both on even strength and on the penalty kill. Um, he's aggressive. He he's quick, and you know his the little offense that he really does have. It's been able to show a little bit of even strength too. And Walmart's season so far, uh, pretty good. Um, he's made some mistakes. That's what all rookies are going to do, but that line as a whole has been pretty good and it's not going to get broken up until there's reason to break it up. So Martin Natchez has kind of been left with the scraps, so to speak, Brock McGinn and a rotating door of Valentin Zeke off and filthy Giuseppe. So, I mean, I don't really know what, what, if there's anything you can even do about it right now, except for hope that Zeke off can start to have more games like he had in Winnipeg. I thought he had his best game of the year in Winnipeg, but I, it's tough because Natchez is such a valuable piece for them moving forward. And you really hate to see him be paired with grinders on the fourth line, getting nine minutes, you know? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. not, he's not going to get anywhere playing those kinds of minutes. And, you know, like you said, Natchez is more than anything, a victim of how well the hurricanes have done so yeah. far. And it, it sounds you know stupid to say that, but it's true. Um, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong, but the problem is where are you going to put him? Because like you said, Brett, you're not going to break up any of those other lines. They're going as well as they can. So, you know, it's really just a matter of biding your time, I think, with Natchez. And if, you know, if it keeps up and they need to send him down for a couple of games just to, you know, so be it. play. Yeah, I mean, just play 17 minutes for a couple of games and get his feet back under him, then do it. Um, but, you know, he's... He, he's a guy that is going to need regular playing time. And if he's not going to get it here, then they need for his development just to send him down and get him some minutes. Because, I mean, it's not that he's doing anything wrong, but he's certainly not, you know, he's not going to be the player that you need him to be by playing that infrequently and, and with and, those types of line mates. And, and quite honestly, I don't think him going down to Charlotte and playing with Andy Quokinen or – Julian Gauthier or Nick Lawaw or any of those guys, I don't think that's going to kill his development. I think he's going to light it up if he's put in that situation. No, far from it. Look at Fogel. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, Fogel's been absolutely phenomenal so far. He should have – he almost scored a goal against Winnipeg, and he already has like 30 goals in five games. So, I mean, that's a pretty good pace. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I (sighs) – what do you guys think about Phil at this point of his career? Like, do you think this is, do you, yeah, do you think this is kind of like, this is it, this is the year, or else, you know what I mean? He like, is, at, just, at this like, point, at, at this point, and I hate to, I hate to use the cliche, but he is what he is. We know what we're getting out of him, and it's not much. I mean, he's a replacement level player, and those are a dime a dozen. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm, you know, I've made my, I've made my opinion clear. He's the guy for me that you put on waivers to accommodate keeping three goalies on the roster. And if you lose them, oh, well, if you keep them, well, fine. And he goes down and plays on, you know, Charlotte's third line and gets 12 minutes a night or something like that. He's, he's the textbook definition of a guy. He's nothing more than that. He's never going to be more than a guy. You know, he's, he's a plug-in guy that, you know, might get on a hot streak for a week or two with the right line mates, but otherwise is nothing more than roster filler. You're right. Um, I remember a few years ago, he got on the line with Rask and Skinner and he was able to just kind of exist and get points along those alongside those two and be a physical pace setting guy on that line. Then 
the next year, I mean, he didn't really fit anywhere. And then the next year, he really was a non-factor all season last year. And then in the final two weeks, he has seven points in his last nine games. And they're like, huh, maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit more to that. But I think we're at the point where we can just very honestly say that there is no – that's not Villa Giuseppe. We, no. we have so much evidence of what he really is. And every player, if put in the right situation, are, they're going to have hot streaks. And yeah, Chandler Rose scored 20 not, goals one year. I mean, it happens. Yeah, yeah. And it, at this point, he's nothing more than a 13th forward in my book. And like you said, the, the Hurricanes have plenty of 13th forwards. They, they do. And – Phil Giuseppe is not better at hockey than Yanni Kokkinen or enter name of Charlotte player. I mean, he's, he's really just not. So I, I think we've kind of exhausted the Di Giuseppe experiment and stop using him with Martin Natchez. How about that? I think that's something <laughs> we can all get behind. But, but, but who are you going to put there? I mean, are you, are you going to, are you going to roll with a line of, of Zekoff and, and McGinn. I mean, fine if you are, but Zekoff hasn't. I mean, Zekoff I mean, is been, kind of. I mean, he's well, a he's, be- For me, I he's mean, turning into that quad A player that's, you know, always going to tear up, you know, Chris Terry, Chris Bork, those types of players. They're just going to light up the AHL every year, but just can't get their, you know, they're, I, they're a step too slow in the NHL. Yeah. And just can't get their feet underneath them to stick. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I get I, that. And I hate to, I hate to pigeonhole him there at this point, but I mean, that would you would you have wanted Natchez if this was five years ago being you know on a line with Chris Terry? I Probably get that, not, but that's kind of where we are with with Zekoff now, aren't we? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're getting up on him too early, but I mean, I, mean, I just haven't yeah. seen anything from him. I think I think the difference in in my opinion with Di Giuseppe and Zekoff, it's kind of like what we said. I mean, we know what Di Giuseppe is, but I mean, we saw last year what Zekoff can do. And it wasn't like Di Giuseppe where, you know, he had some good some good games. I mean, Zekoff led the league, the AHL in goals. And then he came up and played really well. Um, and the thing with Zekoff, too, is that beyond even strength, I, th- I feel like Zekoff can play a role in, in, in the NHL. Uh, I think that, you know, we saw it in the preseason, how effective he was in, the, in front of the net, just plant him there and he has a good stick in front of the net and he can get his you know hands on some shots and put in rebounds he's a big body and to me that's more so, valuable so he's, so he's Thomas Holmstrom is what you're saying basically <laughs> scenario. I, I I just think that Zekoff has a little bit more skill than Di Giuseppe and and honestly it just I'm just done with Di Giuseppe Giuseppe <laughs> again are the same player, except McGinn's faster and uh, can kill penalties and is probably a little bit more skilled than the Giuseppe. Barely. I mean, both of them are just nightmares with the puck. But, you know, I, it, it, quite honestly, none of it's ideal, if I'm honestly. If, I'm starting to wonder when they're going to call up Yanni Kowokinen. Honestly, I was thinking the same thing. I was wondering, yeah, if you that bo- those bottom two lines, I mean, they have sustained pressure. I mean, Martinuk has been a good addition so far, but yeah, just one of those like, yeah, you're not sending McGinn down. Obviously, you can't. I think he's on a one way deal, but yeah, take the risk maybe of of send, trying to send Phil down or or I guess maybe. What do you think of Walmart so far? I think he's been good. I've really I liked him. He's Walmart been pretty so good. I mean, str- I mean, he's yeah. he's got the he's got the kind of game that's never really going to show up on a score sheet, but he's dependable and he's always in the right place on the ice. Yeah. And I think the most important thing for him on a line with Svechnikov is that he knows how to get out of the way and let other guys yeah. do what they need to do. And, 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 um, yeah, and it looks like he does. I mean, you, I think you said it perfectly. If he's on the fourth line, then that's fine. You know, like he can handle 10 to 12 minutes a night. He can handle, you know, playing a defensive game. He has enough skill to not be a disaster in the offensive zone. He's good in the face-off circle. I mean, for, for a modern day fourth line, I think Lucas Walmart is more than okay. And, and 
the Svechnikov, Martin, Nook, Walmart line has been good so far, but that's not going to last very long. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, it's, that's one of those lines that it's working in spite of itself right now. And, yeah. you know, it's not going to take much for, you know, that's of, of the three lines that are going to get shaken up at some point. That's my bet for the one that, that gets shaken up yeah. first. And, and I think the yeah. way, and honestly, I think the way you shake it up is by swapping out Martin Nook and Natchez. Yeah. And you've got, you've got Walmart centering the two rookies. I know that Rod said he doesn't want to do that, you know, right away, but he said eventually they are going to play together. Yeah. And I mean, Walmart is for the reason I said, you know, kind of just the idea of doing what you have to do and just getting out of the way and letting the guys do what they do. I think he's as good a bet as anyone to, to center that line once it does get put together. Yeah, and then if you have a fourth line of Martin, Nook, McGinn, Phil Giuseppe, I mean, you know that they're going to be. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the, the, the courses are going to be about twenty percent. That's going to be that's going to be an absolute disaster, <laughs> quite honestly, with when it comes to puck possession. But I mean, at least you have three relatively quick guys who like to hit and they're just annoying. I mean, at least at that point, that line has a purpose. Right now, the Natchez line does not have a purpose i really mm-hmm. i don't know what it is it it's a highly skilled young center and two plug-in fourth liners and it's i just don't see the point in that at least when you have martin up there it's like okay three guys are gonna run around and hit whoever they see right exactly yeah. and it's a night you know yeah so that's that's kind of where i am on it and yeah it, eventually svechnikov is going to uh have to you know, play with players who aren't Walmart and Martinuk. And it's probably going to be I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to see where he ends up because he seems like the type of player that can fit on just about any line. Um, you know, he's he's not – you know, he still makes mistakes. I mean, it was it was his mistake on the line change, his and Walmart's, yeah. but I think Svechnikov being the wing is probably a little bit more guilty of, of that than Walmart. Um, yeah on the on the game winner on on sunday to brian little um you know that's just something that he's going to learn you know i you guys probably know i call high school football and um you know one of the the quarterback for the team that i call is a sophomore and you know he's just making mistakes that you can see you know this is advanced stuff like knowing when to throw the ball away instead of taking a sack, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that just comes with experience. And the same thing's happening with Svechnikov, you know, he's doing what he, what he's good at right now. And it's all the other things that he's going to learn. I mean, he's, and he's learning. Um, it just takes a little while and, and, you know, credit to, to Rod for saying, you know, we're going to let these guys screw up because that's how you learn. It's certainly not by, you know, doing hour long video sessions with, Bill Peters in a darkened room yelling at you. So, yeah. you know, credit to him for saying, you know, they are going to have to make mistakes and that's just part of the part of the process. And until they get to that point, you just kind of have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. Um, time out, time out, time out. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian, stop. You got to stop moving or something. You're moving and your mic gets like <laughs> swallowed okay. and then it doesn't. I, I think, I think either you're like okay. bouncing or something. I'm, Cause then it, I'm, I'm like, I'm just like reclining <laughs> in a chair. I'm like reclining in a chair. Um, oh, cause it's like, I was, I was laughing like, at how, how Justin's <laughs> he's Brian, stop. <laughs> stop that. That was, that was oh, just yeah. funny to me. All right, um, all right. um, let's. I, I kind of feel like we're going in circles here a little bit. So, yeah. where where do we want to go from here? And then uh, power shut, play shut talk. Down. Power play okay. talk. Yeah, power let's, play talk. let's big time talk about this fucking power play. All right, this, three. This yeah, this fucking power play. <laughs> this, and now we're right. on this fucking power play. Oh man! All right, three, two, one. So yeah, I, I think we all agree. There's this is the young team that's gonna have a lot of growing pains, and it's good that. You know, the coaching staff is allowing them to have them. They're going to be better in the long run because of this kind of stuff. Um, speaking of being better in the long run, I mean, the power play has just – the power play through the first week and a half has been atrocious. Like, it's it's just a mess. It's – they're what? They're what? Two for 20 or something like that? Something and one like of them, that, yeah. One of them came good. from a Tavo Taravine and empty net goal against the Rangers. So, 
And and one for nine in a single game against Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. And a five on three that they had for like a minute and eight seconds that just did not seem threatening. They put seven shots on goal on that power play, but only one of them, and I watched it like three times over that power play, only one of them was, was really a quality chance. And that was Jordan Saltfriend and that trying to slam home the pass from Williams. Um, what do you do? I mean, I have been just so upset with the fact that Justin Falk is getting used as much as he is still. And that applies to a power play too. Um, for me, Justin Falk has always been a player on, when you use him on the power play, you don't want him to be your quarterback. You just, I, I don't think he has the poise of the puck and the, and the vision and the ability to, you know, get the, puck to everyone and make the right decision I don't think that he has that ability I think he has an amazing shot and right now they're using him as a power play quarterback and instead of a trigger man which in fairness in fairness Slavin's a better quarterback than Falk is and you don't really think of Slavin as being you know an offensive dynamo but he's he's better at distributing the puck than Falk is which is what you need back there um you know I kind of get the I kind of got the sense um, during training camp that there was so much that had been changed about this team, both in the makeup, in the approach to the game, in the preparation, and the types of drills they were doing, that they almost just ran out of time to really delve into special teams as much as they could. And it doesn't help um, that they've practiced so little lately. No, it, it doesn't. And they lost a practice on Friday because Raleigh mm-hmm. center ice was without power. I mean, you know, yeah. these things happen. Um, I think that given time, it will get a little bit better. Um, I still think that Dougie Hamilton's being underutilized on the power play mm-hmm. that, can't continue i mean if you want to have success you've got to put the guys out there that'll give you the best chance of success and a power play that doesn't have dougie hamilton on it when he's on your roster (laughs) yeah is not going to give you much success um i think it'll just come around naturally i don't think it's it's as bad as it's been and the fact that they're scoring goals tells me that you know they're you know at five on five they're scoring goals so clearly something is working mm-hmm. and whether it's a personnel thing, whether it's a design thing, I just don't think they've had a ton of time to work on it really. And the schedule, you know, kind of sets up here. you got, you had that long break, but it ended up with two off days. Uh, Wednesday was a scheduled off day after the Tuesday game. And then Friday was an unscheduled off day. And then you've got the long break after they come back from Tampa um before next weekend in the Colorado game so you've got that break coming up I think that's where if I'm Brenda Moore I'd really like to focus mo- mostly on the penalty kill wouldn't worry quite yeah. so much about the power play right now because the power play you know is almost a bonus and if you're scoring five on five the power play doesn't matter quite as much but the penalty kill I mean they're fourth from the bottom in the league right now they've only mm-hmm. killed two-thirds of penalties that can't continue and a Rod yeah. Brindamore coach team of all players um, won't let it, I don't think. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Um, I, I, with the penalty kill, there's there's been some interesting decisions there as well. Um, and really, I'm just talking about Justin Falk. Justin Falk's on the penalty kill. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's the right person to put on the penalty kill um they've they've i think that's probably a little more defensible than it is on the power play because i mean you're gonna have pesci and slavin out there um calvin dehan is pretty much money with whoever he plays with and he's been the one that's on the on the kill has been playing the most with falk don't think you're going to use hamilton you're probably not going to use the sixth defenseman whether it's flurry or tv i mean maybe tvr um you know, in place of Falk, but you I, know, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm okay with it, but I can understand the thinking behind it. I don't think that it needs to be Justin Falk it needs to be off the penalty kill completely, but maybe you don't use him quite as much. I don't know. I get the usage. I mean, I get, I, at the end of the day, I mean, part of this just comes down to numbers. Like, you have so many defensemen, you have to use some of them in some positions that maybe you wouldn't ideally use them in. But, I mean, I'd rather 
I'd rather Dougie Hamilton get 35 minutes a night and (laughs) (laughs) have him retire uh, after the second period because he's being worked so much uh, like Vontae Davis for the Bills. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I agree with all that. And I'm going to be interested to see how how the special teams come around because in years past, when when the power play was bad, which it usually was, but when it was really bad, um, it was especially obvious because they were scoring one or two even strength goals a game, and it was just a mess. And now that they're, you know, they've against Minnesota, they they really they really put it together at even strength. And when you, I just I don't remember the last time someone went one for nine on the power play and won a game, especially on the road, especially when they allowed two power play goals to the home team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they're getting by right now is pretty remarkable. And if they can even just get it somewhere close to league average with their special teams, that makes them that much better. So, and they obviously have the talent to do so. It's just kind of about putting the pieces together. Yeah. And hopefully they put those pieces together this week. I mean, uh, between, uh, tonight's game against Tampa and then, you know, Saturday's game at home. Um, what do you think of Dougie Hamilton's usage so far? He had like about 18, 19 minutes, kind of goes up in Minnesota and then kind of flattens out a little bit again in Winnipeg. Like, do you guys just feel that we're at this point where we're deep enough where you don't have to run him for 25 minutes a night? Or do you feel like he's being underutilized? I mean, you, you don't trade for Dougie Hamilton to play him 18 minutes. Like, obviously, that's that's not how you're going to ideally use Dougie Hamilton. Early in the year, I mean, he was getting very, very, very little ice time. I mean, he, he was getting what? I mean, you said like 18, 18-ish minutes. At least over the past few games, you can see that the Slavin-Hamilton pairing is getting used more and closer to where they should be the game in Minnesota. They both had North of 23 or 24 minutes. They were the most used defensemen tonight or on against Winnipeg on Sunday um, or on, yeah, on Sunday. Um, th- those two, again, were the two most used defensemen. It was a little bit more even, but at the same hand, it's the end, second half of a back to back and they were played a lot the night before. So, I think it was kind of like a process of trying to figure out how they wanted to use them. And then I think they're, they're at the point now where they've kind of figured it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hamilton slave is your top pairing and there's no argument about that. And, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think that the thing with Hamilton is, you know, and Rod talked about this in the uh, in you know before the season started, is they kind of had to move him around to see what they really had in him because I don't think they were really sure exactly what they were getting, and now that you see it, like um, like Justin said, it's it's becoming more like you would expect Dougie Hamilton to play, and I think that's probably a good thing. But the nice thing for the Hurricanes is that they've been able to experiment with this while they're sitting atop the Metropolitan Division, which, you know, yep. absolutely everybody had happening two weeks into the season, right? Yes, I did. Oh, you can see my predictions yes. on canescountry.com, how I said they were <laughs> going to the playoffs. Um, Justin, too. So, so that kind of leads me into this. You know, the, the traditionally teams that are in a playoff spot by the end of October – generally may not stay in that exact spot but they're generally at least in the conversation once february and march roll around so Mm -hmm. you know given that they given that the hurricanes play again tonight against tampa um you know a team that you know by all by all standards are ahead of the hurricanes in in their life cycle um you know and then come back home yeah you could, but I, I'm I'm correct. I mean, there's yeah. no reason to debate that thing. Um, you know, then then come back home, and they've got a few more games before the uh, before the month wraps up. They've got San Jose at home. That's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, then they've got the Islanders again. The Bruins are good, but all these are at home. So, should the Hurricanes be in a playoff spot at the end of October? given that they're four, one and one right now, I think they absolutely should be maybe not in first place, but they should be in one of those top three spots in the Metro. If they're legit, 
if they're not, and this all is a house of cards, we'll, I think we'll probably know by the end of October. I think, I think that's fair. I think the next few weeks are going to be pretty telling for, for who they are. I mean, right now, this is a hot start in the, the teams that they've beaten. Columbus, I mean, they're good. They're not, they're not amazing. The Rangers are rebuilding. Vancouver's rebuilding. Minnesota's good. And Winnipeg, they lost to Winnipeg, but they put up a hell of an effort in Winnipeg. That was an impressive performance, even though they lost. Um, I mean, they, not many of these are cupcakes, if any. You go to Tampa, you host Colorado, you go to Detroit, then you host San Jose, New York, Islanders, and Boston. I mean, Tampa's a t- playoff team, Boston's a playoff team, San Jose's a playoff team, Colorado might be, and then there's two bad teams. And right now they're still in first in the division. And if they can, they have six more games. If they can win three of them, I think I'd be pretty happy about it. I'd be thrilled. I mean, and here's, and here's the thing, you know, we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. It seems like every year for the past about 10, you know, you're, you're ruining the fact that they missed that they lost out on points in October when you get to February and they're six points out and boy, could they have used three more wins when they were, you know, crapping the bet against the Rangers of the world in in October. So getting those points in the bank early is fantastic. I mean, it's something that we haven't seen around here in many, many years and, you know, long may it continue. Um, but, you know, it's, it's also worth saying that they can't rest on their laurels because, you know, you can just as easily give those points back as you can keeping the momentum going. And obviously this is a place where the Hurricanes haven't been. They've been playing, they've been coming from, they've been coming up the standings from behind for as long as I can remember later in the season. And, you know, ask the devils, ask the devils from a couple of years ago when they made that run, nobody had them and they just rode an insanely hot start into the playoffs. And I think, you know, a lot about a team by the time you get to the end of October, I know that um, I think it's Elliot Friedman's rule of thumb is that you have to be within, is it like two or three points of the playoff spot by Thanksgiving? By Thanksgiving, yeah. is something like that. So we're not quite at that point yet, obviously. But, I mean, if you put these points in the bank early, they sure don't hurt you by the time you get later in the season. You know, a team that last year that had a phenomenal finish but just barely missed out was Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. they had an unbelievable run towards the end of the year, and they missed out by, what, two points? So, you're yeah, right. It's important to get this. And, and after this road trip, after the end of the month, they have a road trip in Arizona, Vegas, St. Louis, and Chicago. That's not going to be easy. And the fact that they've no. got points here early, I think that's important because, I mean, you're right. That's like points in the bank. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, six six games left in this this month. I think that the, the it kind of was best case scenario for for the team to have lost your quote unquote number one goaltender, and you know he's only out for a short period of time. But then you have three games of or three days of rest between Tampa and Colorado, then three games of rest between Detroit and San Jose. Um, but like Brian said, you don't want to rest on your laurels. You want to keep it going. You want to keep the momentum going. Um, I think you got to get wins against Detroit and the Islanders. I mean, that's kind of a given. Um, and you should. I'd, I'd probably throw Colorado in there, too. Yeah, you should games. beat Colorado. Get, a home game after mm-hmm. after a good few days of practicing at home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I, you've got to get five points. If, if I'm going to believe, you've got to get five points from those two games. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think you you fix your mistakes that you had against the Islanders, and that was just pretty much t- Thomas Grice, really. Um, they were way better than the Islanders. Yeah, they yeah, they way better. They, they've played they've played well and shown that you that can, was kind of quite weird. honest. So if you if let's 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 think about it this way. So I I just said that they should get five points from those three games against the avalanche the islanders and the red wings mm-hmm. let's say they steal a win from somebody maybe san jose just to throw a name out there now you're looking at um at a total of nine points that's doubling what they have right now that's 18 points sitting at the end of of october that's you might, a, still, that's be a playoff first, pace. You might still be in the first in the metro at that point yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and so you know when win the games that you should win 
maybe steal a point or two here or there in the other games. And with what they have in the bank right now, they're in good shape. I'd absolutely and, yeah, take 18 I, points at the end of the yeah. month. And, and quite honestly, would it really surprise anyone if, if they beat a Boston or a San Jose at home? I mean, I, I don't think it would really surprise anyone because, I mean, we've seen how just talented this group is. I, it, it would not shock me at all to see them steal one of those games. Yeah, I mean, I think their play against Winnipeg, even though they came out on the wrong side, I mean, it showed – they can compete with some top teams. I think game against Minnesota kind of shows that. The The first four games, I mean, I, I mean Columbus played well, um, and they're still a very strong team. But, like, you know, the other ones, not that much. But I think that if you if you get a win out of San Jose or Boston, then, yeah, that's that's a good way to wrap up the month. Um, let's, let's, you know. let's put it another way. I just, I just did a couple of quick calculations right now. So they've got nine points. They've got nine points in the bank right now. Let's say they just win those three games and lose all the other ones. They've got 15 points at the end of the month in 12 games. That's a pace of 102 points. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good pace. Yeah. Even if you, even if you, I mean, and they probably won't keep that pace up, but you only need to be on pace for 94 and 95 to pretty much guarantee yourself a spot. So even if they fall off the pace and if they can steal a point or two here or there, all the better. But I mean, they're in a, they're in as enviable a position now as they've been at any time since 2005. And the thing about November, including, and I'm not, and I don't want to, I don't want to compare it. I, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm using it more to illustrate a point that the hurricanes have always been slow starters and it always inevitably comes back to bite them. And since they're not in that position now, they need to take advantage of it. And, and outside and in, in November, uh, the, the road trip to start, okay, that's kind of threatening Arizona, Vegas, St. Louis, Chicago, but then those home games, the only one you see that's like kind of a true threat is Toronto. I mean, yeah. there's some many winnable games in November too. So I think if you if you finish this out strong and then that road trip turns out well at the beginning of November, you're in really good shape. Yeah, if if you go on that road trip and get three points out of those four games, I think I mean you're coming home to. I mean, no NHL team is a cupcake, but Detroit, Chicago, New Jersey, Columbus, Toronto is a problem they're gonna yeah not optimistic and, and um another thing that i mean in a in a week let's say in the next few days or a week you're getting a goalie back you're getting scott darling back what if he is what he looked like in preseason and what he has looked like to date after his summer uh rejuvenation tour with bill Bernison? um <laughs> what, if, what if he really is the new and improved Scott Darling? I mean, imagine what kind of boost that is. Because if he is that guy, it, and that's a big if. If he is, I mean, you're adding a starting goalie to this team, and that makes you feel a little bit better, I think. And and you have three in that situation. You have three quality NHL level goalies, which is probably more than they've had over the past five years combined. So. Yeah, and if he play, and if he is the new and improved, um, you know he gets in. What I mean, his time frame should put him in what, but late October, early November. Maybe that San Jose game, mm-hmm. the 26th, yeah, or maybe so that New if, York game, twenty eighth. If he gets in there, and he, you know, he's gonna struggle maybe those first few games, and that's fine because it's against some weaker opponents. But you get him rolling, and then that that puts him in a better position come December when the schedule gets much tougher. Um, I'm, I think, I think we should probably wrap on this, but I looked up the, the standings after at the end of October last year. So this is as of October 31st last year, the only two team, the only three teams that had more than 18 points, which is what I penciled the hurricanes in to have at the end of October, Tampa Bay had 21. They made the playoffs. St. Louis had 21. They made the playoffs. The Kings had 19. They didn't. Those are the Wait, only say- three teams. Did you say St. Louis? Yeah. They Wait, they, they, didn't, didn't they didn't make it, did they? No, they didn't. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm was I must have thinking two years ago. I don't know. Whatever. But okay, so so there you go. Eighteen points at the end of October is not a bad return. In I fact, mean St. Louis barely missed. Yeah, missed the, like, lightning, like one point. the Lightning were the only team in the East to have more than eighteen points at the end of October. Hmm. Everybody else had no more than sixteen. The Devils and Blue Jackets had sixteen. 
the aisles and senators. <laughs> the senators had fifteen. Remember when they started um, five? The penguins had, yeah, the the penguins had fifteen, and right on down the line until you get to the Carolina Hurricanes sitting there with ten points. I mean, the Hurricanes I mean, they've got nine second. right now. Yeah. They could they could have they could have ten points by the end of the night. And it's what's what's today, October sixteenth. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll take it. I mean I'll the. Take it. The Maple Leafs are going to have about 45 points at the end of the month. But behind them, I mean, Hurricanes could uh, sneak into second place in the East. You never know. And it, Well, Boston. Boston's a team. <laughs> yes, the Boston. Boston's a, Thank you. Boston's, Boston's a team. A team. <laughs> it, it, imagine if that, that final game. The Boston Bruins were that, a team. That game against Boston could be the uh, – the game that decides the second place seed in the East. And, and, you know, I, I want to, I want to, I want to caption this by just saying that, you know, the hurricanes are not this good. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going out yeah, yeah. Them here that, you know, I know it's early. Um, it's, it's nice to see it, but they're not this good. And they're on like a 150 to... point pace. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, but, it's been a long time since we could say that, you know, we have a legitimate shot of talking about the Hurricanes as being over 500 at the end of October. So ride that train while it's running, baby. Yep. And I would I would gladly be proved wrong, as would Justin, with our season predictions of the Hurricanes <laughs> making the playoffs. I'll hey, we were right. We were right about our Austin Matthews, Patrick Line take, I, I guess, well, yeah. for one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that a podcast? I think, I think it is. That's a podcast. That's a podcast. This is the Canes Country Podcast. Thank you for listening to it. Uh, my name is Brett Finger, Justin Lape, Brian LeBlanc, brother of Kevin LeBanc here. Um, you can follow Canes Country on Twitter, at Canes Country. Uh, go to the site. Check it out. It's amazing. Um, check out the Snapchat. And no, they don't no. have Snapchat. We have Snapchat. Come on, yeah. we got a Snapchat. Man? We can have a Snapchat, no. quite honestly. Uh, Instagram at Canes Country Picks, P I X. Uh, Brian, where can they follow you on Twitter? At BD LeBlanc, and make sure you spell it the right way because if you follow BD LeBanc, I don't know who that is. Justin, they can follow me at BD LeBlanc as well. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Follow him at Lanky Lape on Twitter, and you can follow me at Brett underscore finger. Have a great week. Go Canes. Bye. Yeah. Bye.